0: now and again is brought to you by the cage club podcast network for all things cage keanu and more head on over to cageclub.me that is cageclub.me previously on now and again volume three hey
1: look how cool i am i know all the lyrics to smash mouse (laughs) all-star yep
0: i guess embarrassing to listen to at a certain point
1: Every 20 minutes, if you wanted to, you could find it on a radio station.
0: It's just like she's just sweaty and wearing a snake.
1: We should probably talk about his Pierce Dick. Please play this song on the radio. Please, please play this song. I feel like I'm connected to pop culture enough that I would know... I don't know. Maybe it's just the evolution of music and now kids, instead of being into pop, are now into EDM more? I don't know. Kids are having sex younger and younger these days.
0: Speaking of having sex with kids, R. Kelly... <laughs> he's up next with uh, If I Could Turn Back the Hands of Time.
1: Almost positive I've never seen this video, but I think it's actually kind of cool. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like R. Kelly's
0: memento, and we know from his Trapped in the Closet epic journey odyssey iliad thing that he did that he's he's at the very least a good storyteller
1: and like you have to be a good storyteller to have the balls to, to make a music video that's seven and a half minutes long yeah i don't think any other video on this album cracks five minutes and this one's like seven—it's it's seven and a half. like it's i, <laughs> I was just watching it and i was like this video's been going on a while like like it was, it was past seven minutes yeah I was like, what the hell's been going on?
0: Well, the cut that was on now is only 458. It's still the longest track, uh, but it is significantly shorter.
1: And this was before Dave Chappelle sort of changed the narrative of R. Kelly, right? That was like a couple years later for Chappelle's show. Oh, yeah. So this is before. Oh, man. It's just. R. Kelly's had a weird journey. Do you support an artist that you once liked when stuff comes out? It's weird, like, Bill Co- like I'm done with Bill Cosby, you know what I mean, like, not like I was ever a huge fan, but like, you know, his first special, Bill Cosby himself, is like, genuinely terrific, but like, I'm okay never listening to that anymore, because he's a monster, I'm somehow, for some reason, still okay with like, Woody Allen and Michael Jackson? Woody Allen's the
0: exact example I use, like, I still think Annie Hall is a near-perfect movie. Annie Hall
1: a perfect movie, it's it, just,
0: I don't, I don't it's know, I don't know. It's an icky situation. Yeah, and I think in this information age, you can just always find something that would make you not like someone that you love.
1: Which is why it's kind of weird that, you know, we've done a Nick Cage movies, and the only thing that you can really sort of hold against him is for being $12 million in debt, which I think people think is the funniest thing in the world, but, like, it's not that funny. I'm like, we're doing Keanu now, and Keanu was like, like, there's nothing that came out about Keanu. Like, Keanu's just like, a genuinely good guy who, like, I think apparently gives away all the money he makes from all of his movies now. Like, he's just set for life, and he just donates all of his money to charity. Like
0: A very sad history that people, I think, can get behind. Yeah. His, like, how he's rebounded from that. Yeah. I mean, I just watched, I showed my girlfriend, John Wick, and the, the part where he's just, uh, I guess, uh, you know, spoilers for future uh, Keanu Club episodes. That's what the show's for, is just get off on your tangents. <laughs> Uh, the, the scene where he's watching the, or he, he's reading the, the letter from his, his passed on wife, like my girlfriend was like, that, that's not him acting. And that's part of why that scene works so well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's had, he's had a really tough life. We got
0: onto this because we're talking about how R. Kelly might be a piece of garbage. Uh, <laughs> regardless of that fact, his voice is like velvet. God, his yeah. voice is so good. Like you said, it's, I would be interested in hearing the single version that's only five minutes. It reminds me a lot of uh, Unchained Melody, actually, which might just be the way that... It might be the chord progression in the way he says My Darling. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me a lot of that. This is a very lovey R. Kelly slow jam, I want you back kind of thing. Not like Jackson 5, good jammy I want you back. But mm-hmm. I, I, I want this girl back. I want more Ignition remix bump and grind R. Kelly than I want this. But it's not a bad song when the, the harmonies kick in. And when that like kind of synth horn pops in, uh, it, it gets to be a much better song. It's just a shame it takes two minutes to get there.
1: And the moral of this music video is really like when you're playing a ball with your guys and your girl calls, stop the game and answer the call. Right? That's the moral of the story.
0: Well, it's it keeps going backwards to show why their relationship started fracturing, and eventually you find out that uh, he, his girlfriend had a miscarriage after a car accident. And that's what slowly like drove a wedge in their relationship. It's a pretty intense music video, and like I said, Kelly is a pretty good visual storyteller. Um, I've never dabbled in the trap in the closet after ten, and I feel like I should do that one day. Maybe that can that could be a now and again special. We lost the all of trap
1: in the closet. Ooh, I think he's a great musician. I don't know if we can forgive what he did, but I mean, this song is good, and this music video is. I think probably far and away the most interesting of any of the music. like he's actually trying to do something in this video and whether or not he's hundred percent successful or not, it's probably a personal decision, but as opposed to Britney Spears, who's just dancing on a pier, like he's actually trying to do something with his music video. And it's one of the very few that's like worth checking out. If you're listening to this podcast and like want to sort of revisit
0: 1999. Yeah. And, uh, the first two minutes, three minutes, maybe even of the video may drag, but when it hits a certain point, I think it wins you over. It kind of did a face turn on me, like I was in, and by the time it ended, I was kind of surprised eight minutes had gone by.
1: I said earlier that like I couldn't believe it was going on long, but, like it took me seven minutes. Like I was sort of I was into it, you know, for like seven minutes until I'm like, wait, this has been going on a while. Like you're, it's it sort of it does suck you in. Like I think now, I think that's also sort of interesting. I want to see how you track this over the course of this podcast, but like how music videos have changed and sort of becoming like these more abstract or sort of like story driven, whatever, like now, you know, you, you hire an actress and like, they just, you know, like there's some band I don't know what the band is, but Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black is like in this like band. I've never, like she just like, like, it's like this story, like it's like a short film. I and mean, that's what, like what R Kelly did here, as opposed to just like, hey, how can we package our pop star to sell more albums? R. Kelly's like, hey, I'm an artist on some level, and I want to tell a story in this video. Well,
0: if, if you didn't have much of a background knowledge of R. Kelly, uh, did you have any background knowledge of Ideal, who sang Get Gone?
1: I do not know the song or the band by name.
0: Yeah, I don't either, and I don't think I ever will. Uh, First off, this is a great argument for now varying up their track list. This R&B song should not have followed an R. Kelly one because it's such a step down. Nico, on the first episode, made an argument that some of these songs are here to introduce them and try to sort of uh, expand the base of listeners and thus sell more albums. But both of these songs regardless of whether or not we knew them at the time or we know them now, they're not good songs.
1: No, they're not good songs. And I was also knowing, like the ideal Get Gone is not a good music video. Like, watching it, I couldn't help but think somebody was just like, hey, check out all these, like, sweet transitions we can perform with a new editing software. Mm-hmm. Like, their faces on blocks that turn. And it's all stuff that, like, you know, our college TV station that we had with your co-host, Christian Larson, our co-host of Monkey Club, Christian Larson, you know, we had, <laughs> we had, like, the most basic, like, outdated video software for, like, our live TV that, like, there was just, like, we had this effect of, like, a robot punching the screen that would cut from, like, one camera to the next, and we used the robot all the time because, like, it was terrible, but was the thing we had, and here, like, this song is, like, the, the music video, I mean, is, like, so 90s in a way that, like, people are just figuring out how to like, do, like, digital editing, it feels like. Like oh like like look look let's look at all these like cool places that we can like put the video in the frame within the shot like that we you know what I mean like it's just like the whole thing is not what we film we're just having like in like this block or this box and this video like it looks sort of familiar but I think it's only because it's so generic that it kind of looks like a lot of other things.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and familiarity is not a barrier to enjoyment, Um, like. On episode two, I didn't really remember the, the song uh, Take Me There by Blackstreet, but I, I thought it was a pretty good, catchy song. Whereas, I mean, Get Gone is, it's just there. It's, it, there's nothing to it. Uh, I have really very little to say about it because video and song-wise, it's a lot of nothing. There's some things, some bands are so good that everything has to then be compared to them. And I think Boys to Men was one of them. For an R&B group, that does a lot of heavy harmonizing. And you have to compare it. And this doesn't come close. It doesn't do anything interesting. There's no, no interesting lyrics. There's nothing in the video that makes me want to even go into explaining it. Uh, it's just some dudes doing choreographed dancing and singing a song about how they want a girl to leave because she cheated on him and the, the relationship's over. I said this in the first episode, I hate using the phrase, it is what it is, but sometimes in music, it really just is what it is, and it's not good.
1: Well, you have to, like, no matter what you're doing, whether you're, like, a musical artist or whether you're a filmmaker or whether you're whatever, whatever you decide to do, there sort of, I think, should be, although I think most often there really isn't, there should be a reason for why you need to exist in the world. And, like, if you're going to go into the R&B world as, you know, a four-person, harmonizing group, like you need to establish for yourself, like, you know, we might not be as good necessarily as boys and like We might not sound as good or whatever, but like, here's what we bring to the table. That's different. Like, here's why you should care about us. I'm like, I don't think, like you said, there's nothing about this video or this band that makes me like even remotely interested in like digging more into this band. It's just like I, they're a low rent version of something else that I know that if I was into that kind of thing, I could just do voice to Men. Like, there's no reason for me to like this.
0: I think it's telling that this is one of two songs that doesn't have a Wikipedia entry.
1: Which is weird. Like, you, you would think that, like, in theory, if all these Now That's What I Call Musics are covering the biggest hits or number one or number one songs or whatever, that they would all have some kind of Wikipedia entry because people like making Wikipedia entries for everything. But the fact that there's two songs on here that don't... And one song that we're going to get to in a little bit that doesn't have a music video. Like, it just... I think, that, I think it points to a couple different things. Either number one, that it's not an important song, but like number two, like why did Now pick it? Is, it? is this really just a, let's introduce people to Ideal? Like that, that, I, I don't know. It's also, yeah, they have such a generic name.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I think it is a, a thing that they, it was trying to introduce them, because this was the year that their album came out, their only album, and they were gone by 2004. Uh, in 2004, they had a single that CeeLo Green was on, uh, but it didn't chart at all. It did nothing.
1: Did so you said that they, they get gone by
0: 2004? <laughs> they uh, they do get gone. Yeah, by 2004, and uh, that's it. I mean, it was a, it was an album that went gold, apparently, but seemingly on the back of this, it, it went up to 13 on the U.S. charts and number really? two on the R&B charts. Which really, I, I it's not that good. I don't. I mean, hey
1: that's 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 astounding to me like I guess you know like I was saying before, I'm not that into music where I should be surprised that I don't know things, but I'm surprised that i've never like you know i I've been in touch with popular culture long enough that like I just never heard of them like it's just it's so foreign to me
0: well I mean they were dead by two thousand four, so i they're they're kind of just a footnote is maybe generous but uh they came, and they uh, and they went. And, uh, but Shantae's got a man. Shantae's got a man.
1: And this is a song that at least sounds familiar, but I don't think I know the song.
0: I did not know the song. It did uh, get pretty high. It got up to number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100, and again, number 2 on the uh, Hot R&B charts. And it went gold again. So this had its moment. I think it's a song that's for women. I feel weird saying that, and I feel like people who are just listening to this without listening to the song uh, might be real mad about what I just said, and I can understand <laughs> that. But it starts off with the video starts off with 45 seconds of like sex, ladies talking. Yeah, it's just them talking about their men, and it, it's just not a song for me. And I'm I'm willing to accept the fact that I'm probably wrong about some of this stuff, but some of it's just not for this guy. And I want to expand that more, but this is these two songs were not the songs to do that.
1: I don't think. If you want to use these now, that's what I call musics, as sort of a learning experience or a way to sort of expand your cultural horizons, it's difficult to do so when, like we talked about earlier, they're they're not doing anything productive with the structuring. It's like, you know, we just had a great R&B song followed by a generic one, and now we have another one, but this one's by a lady, and it's just, I don't understand it's all just sort of like, I feel like if you're listening to this as a suburban white kid, you buy Now 3 and for some reason you're listening to it all the way through, this is when you like skip, skip. Like you just, you just don't listen to these songs.
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean, on on Now 1, we talked about how something like Brian McKnight's Anytime, like that's that's a song that revisiting at this age, I recognize. I was like, oh, this song is really good. Just because I didn't know it at the time doesn't mean it can't be good now. Right. Part of this is being excited about revisiting some of these songs and giving them another chance. I mean, we just said we talked about a song that's reviled, like, and it's turned into a meme, like All Star. Where we're saying, hey, it's on its own and merits. It's not that bad. This song just—it's—it's it's a lot of nothing. It's a song about how awesome it is that she's got a <laughs> good boyfriend. Like,
1: why do I care? Why does anyone care? No one cares. I feel like even the girls that she's telling us to would be like, oh, that's nice. Then like, they would just move on. Like, I feel like they would get tired of the fact that she's talking about this new guy by the time the song was over.
0: Well, yeah, part of the song is her are condescending because our friends don't have good men. <laughs> Tell me that this video did not remind you of like those vanity videos that like go viral like the Rebecca Black things where it's just like the girl whose parents paid for the video and her friends awkwardly being around as the video was made. Yeah, There's like a real weird like vanity aspect to this song.
1: Oh, absolutely. I feel like, I mean, the fact that the song is called Shantae's Got a Man, it's not, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's like not only is it, it's not enough that my name is attached to it as the artist, but I've also got to have my name in the name of the song. So that, it, it's just weird. It's just like, this is all about Shantae. Like it's almost, it's almost surprising to me that Shantae has a last name as a musical performer.
0: Yeah, in 2016 she might not, but she's got a deep. I mean, I just clicked on her Wikipedia. She started in '92, and she's every single one of her albums except the one that came out in 2013 uh, was top 20 on the R&B charts or lower. So she's someone who clearly has a following just in something that is again is just not in our Venn diagram. There's there our Venn diagram of. People who listen to Shantae Moore and us are just two circles completely separate from each other.
1: That's true. Our circle is more into bands like the next one, Blessed Union of Souls with Hey Leonardo, she likes me for me. which I forgot until today, the fact that they intentionally spelled their name wrong, and it made me so angry all over it. Okay, see, I, when this
0: song started, I thought the song was uh, She's So High, if you remember that
1: song, no, that's a better
0: song than this. This is a garbage song. I thought they were the same song until about a minute and a half into the song. I don't,
1: I don't think "She's So High" is necessarily a good song, but this is a terrible song. I don't like this song at all. Like "All Star," it's not good. I think it's it's definitely worse than "All Star," but it's also a song that like has stayed in my head for twenty years. And like this, like like with the charm of Robert Redford oozing out my ears, like I I still remember that. Like I don't know why I remember that. Like, that's not doing anything for me. And a lot of times, like, it's quotes like this where I wish, I so wish that, like, you could sort of, like, purge, like, all right, brain, like, remove all Limp Bizkit lyrics from my brain and just give me, like, the state capitals. like just, like, let me know, like, something, like, even remotely useful. Yeah. But instead, I know, the, I know, like, half the lyrics to Hey, Leonardo for no reason.
0: Yeah, if we could drag stuff to our, like, the recycle bins of our brains and free space, how much smarter would all this be? Instead, we know the lyrics to Hey, Leonardo.
1: Now, I have a really important question that this, these lyrics bring up. That you know, the whole, the whole point about the song is that she likes him for him. Before I get to my important question, I have, I have a separate question. that The lyrics say, you know, I'm so glad I found her once again. Does that mean that he found her and then lost her and then got her back? Hmm. If That's so... Because she seems to be into him for him
0: for quite a bit of the song.
1: She doesn't like him, even though he has the, the charm of Robert Redford losing his Because
0: Please. he name drops Steve Buscemi, but he doesn't know Buscemi's last name.
1: That's my question. Was there ever a point in time, even ninety-nine, which is like the most ridiculous, you know, the fact that it's two years after Titanic that, you know, that she's fr- that he's he's friends with Leonardo, or he hangs out with Leonardo, or that guy who played in Fargo, I think his name is Steve. So okay, so <laughs> I wanna break that down for a second. So, number one, he's talking about how he hangs out Leonardo DiCaprio, which is cool. It has a cool brag. I like, mean, you know, it's still a relevant brag today, you know, even though there's all sorts of things you can hang out Leonardo DiCaprio for. Um, number two, I that. <laughs> this is so stupid. It makes me so angry. and also doesn't have to The notion that he's positing is that he's friends with Steve Buscemi, but, but he refers to his friend as that guy who played in Fargo I think is a name. So, like, not only is he like hanging out with Steve Buscemi, but he knows him as that guy from Fargo, not by his act. Like, I don't understand, like, why, why that's the case. But also, why would anybody be as impressed as being friends with Steve Buscemi as they are as being friends with Leonardo DiCaprio, who is a year or two away from being literally the biggest person, like, the, like the biggest celebrity in the world, like the biggest movie of all time. You know, like I. <laughs> nothing about this leader to make sense, which is why I find it such a goddamn delight. I
0: mean, it's it's basically humble brag. The song, <laughs> yeah, I don't like it either. There's nothing. It's got a harmonica solo, which I don't know if there's ever been a song by a band not called Blues Traveler that was worth having a harmonica solo.
1: Well, Blues Traveler's got nothing on Blessed B-L-E-S-S-I-D, Union of Soul. Like, everything about this band and this song and everything is just atrocious. Have they ever done anything outside the song?
0: Probably a couple bar mitzvahs. Maybe a high school reunion.
1: <laughs> well, they've got to be a one-hit wonder, right?
0: I feel like they have to be.
1: The Wikipedia says the band's first studio album, Home, had some success... With its lead single, I Believe. The song popularized the band with local area DJs and became one of their greatest hits. So a song that neither of us have ever heard of is one of their greatest hits. It's... mm, Mm, Okay, sure. I will give you $1,000 if you can name the lead singer's name.
0: Well, he looks like Tyson Beckford, according to the song. With the charms of Robert Redford.
1: Who's on his ears? His name is Elliot Sloan. Nope. They had six albums they had one come out 2011 hey i mean that's a thing that
0: happens uh i saw i didn't see okay i was in asbury park when uh third eye blind was playing at the outdoor stage of the stone pony and they were very adamant about playing stuff off of their new album instead of playing like semi-charmed life and jumper like every single person who was there wanted
1: if third, Eye, if I saw Third Eye Blind play and they didn't play Motorcycle Drive By, I I don't know, I would just give up on that band. Like that's like such a beautiful, perfect song. Like play your hits, just play they, your hits.
0: They didn't close with Semi Charmed Life. They played that and then played two new songs and just to the sound of everyone leaving the venue.
1: That's weird. What? So okay. So in terms of performances, I can sort of see. It, like mm, I don't know that, that's just weird. When I saw the Foo Fighters last year at Austin City Limits, they led with like their first five songs like Monkey Wrench was in there and like I don't remember. it was like basically like out their first five songs, like four were, like their greatest hits. And it was basically the songs that, like you're supposed to wait all show for. And they just like they sort of like came out with them early and I'm just like, I don't know what you're gonna do because Foo Fighters has Foo Fighters ever been on a now? Have you have you researched that far into the future? Um, I, I'm going to throw
0: it out there and guess that times like these or, uh, what's the done, done onto the next one song. Why? Well, I'm going to I would put a decent bet that one of those shows up there.
1: Cause Foo Fighters is a band that basically, you know, the color and the shape is a fantastic album and has spent oh, yeah. their entire career trying to come up with an album even like remotely as interesting as that one. And so to put, like, songs like Monkey Wrench and Everlong and stuff in your first five in a set, it's just like, okay, cool, now what are you going to do? Yeah. And so it's just sort of the same thing, like, with Third Eye Blind, like, if you're not going to close, like, if you're going to if you're gonna play Seven Charmed Life, and then be like, hey, we got more songs, like, no, nah, I'm good, like, I, I don't need to know anything else.
0: Yeah. Well, who opened for them at that show was Dashboard Confessional, yeah. and, uh, spoilers, they closed with Hands Down and Vindicated, because yeah. you have to. If, if you're a band with, like, those songs that everyone's going to remember, you got to fucking close with them.
1: Yep.
0: Anyway, we were talking about Blessed Eden of Souls. This song sucks.
1: <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Sure. The The next song on Now is making the weirdest song on Now in that it's the only one of the 18 that does not have a video. It's Oleander, Why I'm Here, and I don't think I knew this song.
0: You do know this song. Uh, you know it from when it was called Heart Box by Nirvana? I'm right. Okay. Yeah. Should we just talk about how good that song is since it's the exact same song?
1: I didn't have that thought when I, wa- when I listened to this or when I watched the video. Um, I did say that it sounded kind of generic in like a 90s sort of way, but I thought it also aged better than a lot of other stuff on here. And I was okay listening to that and just staring at the robot album art. But it also makes more sense that, like, oh, yeah, like I would like this a lot more than most of the songs on now because it's just a low-rent knockoff of, you know, one of the best bands in the 90s' biggest hits.
0: Yeah, it was like how a lot of, like, wrestling promotions in the mid-90s would give their their wrestlers entrance music. That was just a re- a really thinly-veiled knockoff of a more famous song. Like, I think Raven had, like, an even flow ripoff. I know Diamond Dallas Page had one that was pretty much just smells like teen spirits riff over and over again. That's what this sounds like to the point where for me, it was so distracting that I got literally nothing out of the song, except heart box, heart-shaped box. Why aren't you just listening to Nirvana?
1: Well, I guess really like, at least in terms of the wrestling thing, like if you want to have a song that sounds like, smells like teen spirits sort of invokes those feelings and don't want to pay whatever the rights are to Nirvana, you could just go to some generic grunge band and be like, Hey, Put me together something like this. I'll give you like five grand, and like yeah. I'll just use it for whatever.
0: Yeah, but this was a song that a band released on an album.
1: Yeah, and what's weird about this song, at least in terms of what we talked about a little bit earlier, that there's two songs on this on this now that have no wiki entry. This is the only one without a video. However, it does have a Wikipedia entry. So I don't know. I don't know in what kind of universe you know, the collective conscious decided that this was an important enough song to have a Wikipedia entry about, but not important enough to have a music video for it.
0: Yeah, it could be a case where the video was just kind of eternal sunshine from everyone's and the internet's memory. Um, there's, a uh, on volume two, there was a cake song, uh, Never There, which the wiki mentions a video existing for it. I have a vague memory of a video existing for it, but the video doesn't exist on YouTube. So, um, <sighs> It just, to me, it, since we have to make... Since I'm making playlists, uh, it doesn't exist.
1: Do what you gotta do. You gotta fill in the holes somehow.
0: Yeah. So, it's... I mean, do you have anything to say about the song?
1: Nope, we can go on.
0: Cool. Uh, the next... Well, I mean, the next song has no Wikipedia entry, so we're, we're kind of <laughs> slump here. Uh, the next one is Happily Ever After by Case.
1: Believe it or not, another R&B
0: song. Yeah, and this song is kind of noticeable because... The girl in the video that Case is charming and setting up this extended the game-esque scenario for is, is uh, to marry is Beyoncé. A, a pre... Not pre, probably before Destiny's Child was a big deal, because Destiny's Child's about to be a very big deal, uh, but a, a pre-fame Beyoncé, Beyoncé Knowles, as she might be known at this time.
1: She... You asked me if you... <laughs> you asked me if I thought that Beyonce ever thought about being in this case video. And yeah. I said, wait, what? <laughs> I was so unfamiliar with this song and so tired of spending like 20 minutes of my past half hour watching R and B videos that I did not know that I just sort of like checked that. Like I was sort of, I said to you, like, you know, the, the whole, I don't know exactly what the point of now and again is. I mean, the point could be anything you want it to be, but it could be, the point could be, you know, what do you think of the songs? What do you think of the video? What do you just think of the era? And so I sort of had like this like self-conscious thing in my brain where I was like, Oh, I'm taking too many notes about the music videos. And this is just supposed to be about music. And so to me, when I was just like, Oh, I don't know the song. I just sort of checked out and I didn't even realize that it was Beyonce. And so when you were like, do you think she ever thinks about being in this video? I was like, Wait
0: what? Well, when you rewatched it, do you did you immediately realize that Beyonce looks exactly the same now as she did in nineteen ninety nine?
1: Yeah, yeah, yes. Which, which is weird. Like it's not like you know we were talking earlier about how Gwen Stefani gets more attractive with age. You know, here she just looks the same. And like she's probably twice as old now, right? Because she has to be like around eighteen at this time, and she's probably. I honestly don't, I, I don't no, a little older than that. I have no idea how old beyonce is she's 34 now So sick wow yeah so she was she was like 17 18 at the time of this video and then she's 34 now so she's basically twice her age and still looks the same
0: Wow it's amazing how in this technologically advanced day and age money can just replace genetics
1: but I also think that she's gifted with just tremendous genetics oh i mean yeah she's queen
0: bay you can't say anything bad about her or else you will get fucking murdered by the internet
1: (laughs) do not trash beyonce otherwise the internet will trash you and also she'll take a baseball bat to your car
0: yeah i laughed really hard at, at his first uh at case's first setup where she comes into a room and there's just like 30 dozen red roses all I could think was like, "This is Tommy. This is what Tommy was so would have done if he could have."
1: I thought the same exact thing. I was like, "This is the the music video." And so, when whenever you told me, did you see? Or after we talked about you know Beyonce in this video, I went back and I was just like, "Did I not soak in anything at all?" And then you know I, I was sort of skipping through. and I saw Beyonce, and then I saw that bed not covered in red roses. Like There's no roses I don't think, on the bed. It's just the entire floor around the bed is just roses. And I was like, oh no, I remember this because this is an insane image.
0: And, and this song is so uninteresting and generic that it could be one of those like four R&B songs that exist during the sex scenes in the room.
1: It's the song on this, on Now18, that I took the least notes on. The only notes I have for this is Man, this back half is R and B heavy and then nothing about this is familiar. And that was enough for me to be like, all right, I'm good talking about case because just like I don't even remember the name of the band from earlier. Just like ideal, case is like the worst name. Like these are this is back when bands did not need to be SEO friendly. Like they're not like they're not naming themselves for Google. It's <laughs> not like, you know, you can't just find like you can search like case and then like case music and even case music might not be enough. Like you might need like case R and B music to like find the band case.
0: He, uh, I'm looking at his Wikipedia right now. He, um, 2001, he had an album that hit five on the U S and then on the R and B charts, he had an album in 2001 that hit number two and then he took an eight year break and released. I shit you not the Rose experience (laughs) in 2009. And that went to number two on the R and B charts, but didn't really do anything on the U S charts. And he's released stuff up until 2015 that's charted on R&B, but not anywhere else. So he's still, I mean, Case is still doing stuff, but uh, he's still on the case. He, he is, but he's certainly been left behind by his uh, his video girl, Beyonce. <laughs>
1: what's what's kind of impressive, you know, of everybody involved with Now Three, aside from Justin Timberlake, nobody's been more nobody's been even remotely as successful as Beyonce. And all she is is like this
0: video girl. And, I mean, Justin Timberlake isn't even actually on this album.
1: I mean, just the idea. Oh of him, yeah. So the most successful person on Now 3 by far is just a girl who was in the music video.
0: Yeah, I mean, Blink-182, maybe. I and mean, they're still relevant, at least, compared to... Yeah,
1: but relevant is not the same caliber not, as biggest artist in the world.
0: I mean, Britney Spears, Blink-182, they're still doing fine. R. Kelly's around here and there, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, neither neither of them put out lemonade. No, that's true. This is this is a sad now. This,
0: ugh, this is. I was
1: so excited to do this now, and like the, the more we talk about like you know watching, I was depressed. But the more we talk about it, I'm just like, oh, this was the wrong one to pick. And that uh, speaking of
0: boy band, also rans that didn't have Justin Timberlake in them. The next song is the hardest
1: thing by 98 Degrees. I forgot Nick Lachey was a person. That's an easy
0: thing to do, I imagine. Um, yeah,
1: that's something that I really like. There's people that I know, like celebrities. One thing, like I feel like it's easy for celebrities to sort of fade out of the collective conscious and their own conscious. But there's also people that I like cross paths with, like you know, people I work with at Best Buy, who like I see on Facebook. I'm just like, oh, I completely forgot you were a person. Like there are people, like you know, leading entire lives and like you know, having their own. Because in in all of our minds, we're all sort of like the Truman Show, where like everything's sort of about us. And then you're just like, oh, right, like Nick Lachey was a person. And not only was Nick Lachey a person, but he had a boy band. And not only that, but he was married to Jessica Simpson, who for a year or two was pretty hot shit. And then they had um, a reality show. Like the, his, say, five-year span around this time is insane. And I just completely forgot he existed.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was the closest thing to, I mean, not right now. We're talking maybe three or four years down the line. He's going to be MTV's, I mean, at the time, what would now be like a Kardashian, where it's just a show about them existing and to a large amount of people, that being enough reason to have a television show.
1: What's the name of their show? I don't remember the name of their show. Newlyweds. Right. Yeah. All I remember from that is Chicken of the Sea. And I don't remember what the context was.
0: It was, if I recall correctly, that she doesn't understand that what she's eating is tuna because it's the brand name is Chicken of the Sea. So she thinks it's some sort of water chicken and Nick Lachey is looking at her like she's an idiot.
1: Which she was. Well, I mean,
0: who knows how much of that is real and how much of that is like uh, the Osbournes... Hype, like playing up their own characters.
1: So I, I have a controversial statement that this leads me to talk about, um, and I feel like you're going to have a real problem with it. I'm of the belief that Kim Kardashian is should be classified as a genius. I don't hate that opinion because I
0: have I previously had that opinion about Paris Hilton.
1: I think Paris Hilton's a genius too. I think that you know, in terms of what genius is defined as, I don't think necessarily needs to be a caliber intelligence. I think the fact that Kim Kardashian, I mean, her family had money, but she essentially turned a sex tape into a billion dollar empire. And the way that she's able to conduct her life and conduct her social media and just everything, it's in a sense, it's awe inspiring.
0: I mean, yeah, all of that is a mad libs for Paris Hilton, so I, I have to completely agree with you.
1: I'm glad that you are able to even if you don't like hundred percent agree, I think you I think you do mostly agree with me more than more than most people. It's Sort of like what we were talking about a while ago, you know, with people who say, I don't I like all music except for rap or country. I feel like some people hear that phrase like Kim Kardashian is a genius and don't give it validity or time of day. Like they they just say not like what she's an idiot. Like that's not, but like to me, I mean, just like we were talking about before with like, you know, Annie Hall is a perfect movie. It's not the best movie of all time, but for like for the type of movie that it wants to be, like it's perfect. There's nothing that can be better. There's nothing to be like more Annie Hall than Annie Hall. I and mean, Annie Hall is terrific. And Kim Kardashian, you know, talking about this Jessica Simpson thing, I don't think, you know, as successful as a show could have been, I don't remember how successful it was. I remember that was sort of a meme before memes were a thing, like before the internet really became the internet. Kim Kardashian is like, I don't, I don't think you'd want to be her, but you know, if you were in her position, you can't do better than what she did.
0: She invented a multi-million dollar brand, not just for herself, but for her entire family, that solely subsists on the fact that she exists and will go places for money. Yeah. That's, I mean, who wouldn't want that to be their job? Like, if someone told you, hey, you could be rich by promoting a bunch of shit on the internet and also breathing air, and that's literally it, who would not take that?
1: No one. I mean, some people would, but, like, that's just the people with, like, quote-unquote morals or whatever. Um, You know, it's just... it's. She's really, like, she's created a life for herself and her family that is, I don't know if you want to, like, applaud it, but, like, it's, it's admirable.
0: Yeah, I have issues with, I mean, there, there's people in their family that have said things that I think are real gross. Sure. But I think she's largely inoffensive. But I can also understand why people get mad that that's a thing. That, like, who one of the Kardashian and or Jenner siblings is dating, like, that's a news story. Right. when there's other things that are newsworthy happening in the news that people are like, people use that as an example of, like, well, this is what America's priorities are. And this is an example of why America's going down the tubes. And I think she's just a scapegoat for Absolutely. It's yeah, an old man yells at a cloud. An old man yells at Kim Kardashian. Because
1: you, you, if you want to like bash society and bash where we are as people, you can look at someone like, you know, we talked about it earlier. Like you talk, you look at somebody like Justin Bieber or Miley Cyrus or somebody who, you know, you could argue is doing things like they're 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 cultivating their brand or whatever. But like you know, they haven't created a platform. I don't know. I mean, I. I feel like I'm I'm defending this and I'm more passionate about it than I truly am. But I'm willing to, just like for a while, and I've changed on this, just like for a while I would defend Jupiter ascending to most for most people because like so many people were so quick to like jump on the bandwagon with like, oh, that's a shit movie. I was of the mind like, no, like, you know, it's it's an original idea, and even though they stay, they missed, they still swung the fences. I've since seen the movie again. And without reservation, I think it's a terrific movie. Um, so we can get into that at some other point. But more importantly, in terms of Kim Kardashian, like, I, don't, I don't go around thinking about her on a day-to-day basis, but I would be quick to defend her and what she's done just because so many people are so quick to be like, oh, she's a nothing, she's just like a, a bimbo or whatever. Like, I really respect what she's done, which is sort of weird.
0: No, I completely agree with you because she has also built... She's she's a marketing... Yeah, she's a marketing genius. Experiments, genius, uh, professional... Like, I don't know what you'd call it, but like she has a TV show. She has clothing. I'm sure she has some sort of like uh, cosmetics or perfumes or something like that. Fuck it. Whatever. Good for her, I guess. And also... I'm, if judge, I'm just some asshole with a podcast. Nick Lachey was one of the first people to do that.
1: It's true, and it's... What is he doing now? They're not still married, are they?
0: No. No, I know they're not, but I have no idea what he's doing now. Did 98 Degrees get back together and tour with the Backstreet Boys on their tour? I feel like that happened.
1: I feel like that's something that I would put money on that happened.
0: Yeah. So I was looking at 98 Degrees, and I either, while looking at it, became face-blind or just (laughs) blazed over with kind of boredom at the song, because it's Nick Lachey, the guy who kind of looks like Nick Lachey. A guy who kind of looks like Nick Lachey, and then a dad.
1: Well, what's weird is that the music video is him in a boxing ring. I it's think not Nick
0: Lachey. It's one of the. It's not Nick Lachey. It's one of the clones. Is it? Yeah, there's one that looks like a pro wrestler, Randy Orton, and he's the one that is the is playing the boxer. He's the one who was wearing the puffy vest when they were singing in front of the uh, the Vegas sign.
1: Because. There was a point like, okay, to, to be honest, you know, I talked about before how I checked out of the case song with Beyonce. I didn't even realize that she was in the song, you know, while this video was going on, I don't give a shit about 98 degrees. And so I was just like, all right, whatever. Like I'll be, we'll be able to talk about the reality show. Like I knew sort of like the narrative that we would tell when talking about this music video. And then I, I looked up on I'm like, there's just some dude in a boxing ring fighting another guy. I'm like, is that Nick Lachey? And then the next shot was the whole band singing, and the guy looked enough like Nicolas Cage where I was just like, oh "Yeah, that's Nicolas Cage."
0: You know, this band is just three clones, and then a dude who doesn't. It looks like he snuck onto the set, and I don't really get the plot of this video. It's one guy's a boxer, and his girlfriend is a showgirl, and they're sad about each other's occupations? Question mark.
1: I I can't answer any questions about the narrative of this Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really I didn't know it. what this music video was about.
0: Yeah. I don't know. There wasn't much of a plot there. Did you catch that the lyrics had a Dr. Chivago reference
1: in the second verse? Yes, I wrote that down. And I said, I don't I I can almost I'm almost willing to bet money that no one in this band has seen or read Dr. Chivago.
0: I don't know how the fuck that happened. Who let that sneak in there?
1: I heard it, but I had this is the first one that I checked the lyrics on because I said there's no way, there's no way that I heard that right, that they referenced Dr. Zhivago. And then I went and like, oh yeah, no, they just referenced Dr. Zhivago.
0: You know, the the Wikipedia says it's Nick Lachey who plays the boxer, but I feel like that's wrong. It just, it looked like one of his weird clones. But this band, much like Backstreet Boys was the um, the Nick Carter band and Sync was the Justin Timberlake band. This, this was kind of the Nick Lachey band. So I guess it could have been but it just it really didn't look like him. He's his, in, in the singing, slowly opening your arms towards the camera portions. He looks he too babyface to be the guy who was a boxer.
1: You would surprise me if it was not Nick Lachey. I thought it was him. I'm, I'm trusting you, a brainchild behind now and again, to give me true information. But like, if it's not Nick Lachey in that video, I would be surprised.
0: Uh, all white people look the same.
1: There were three bands I sort of confused, except I think one was very, very different. So there was 98 Degrees, who was sort of generic, and I don't know if I can name a second song. I don't even know if I can name the hardest thing. If, if you ask me tomorrow, what's the name of that 98 Degrees song? I don't think I can tell you. Mm.
0: Yeah. There was also LFO. They like summer girls, who were ever to fish.
1: And then there was Len, who did Steal My Sunshine. But yes, Len. They're not a boy band. Len was very different, right? Like they were sort of yeah. punk?
0: No, I wouldn't go that far. They were. Mm. Right on the grass. Sublimey? Last week. Yeah, I guess they were maybe more sublimey, but they had a girl singer too.
1: Because they were so, I don't know why. I, I think I, I think in my weird brain, I equate Len and LFO because they're two three-letter bands that start with L. I could see that, and I equate LFO with 98 degrees because they were in that like cluster of boy bands that aren't important. I just know that that
0: Len song, which. Like, the guy in the song had a really scratchy voice, and then there was a girl who came in right behind him. He's like, I know, it's up for me. If you stay on No, yeah. it, came out, it came out in 99. It came
1: out in
0: oh, this shit. year. That, that, I think that's a pretty forgettable song. See, I would have I, I expected you to say 98 Degrees LFO, and then like, a, like an O-Town. Oh, O-Town was the religious boy band, right? No, O-Town was the reality show boy band.
1: Who was the religious boy band? I don't know. I think it was O-Town.
0: No, o- no. O-Town, definitely not them because one of their songs is all about um, coming in your sleep.
1: That, oh boy. That, yeah, yeah. Okay. They were, they were created by making the band.
0: Yeah. They were, they were a, um, a reality TV show experiments and they had one of their songs will come up on this in the future because I will, I will go to the mats for one of their songs as one of the best boy band songs ever.
1: There was something, there's a band, one finding on Google right now is there's a band called Plus One that was a Christian boy band, but that's not who I'm thinking of. Mm.
0: I remember there was the parody boy band that MTV made. They were called like, um, I don't know, they had the You Plus Me Equals Us song. The calculus. I know my calculus. Yeah, I don't remember what the name of that band was. There were just so many also ran boy bands at that time. Who could even know?
1: That was Together, the number two together. Of course it was. Of course it was. Yeah. Um, so, Steal My Sunshine, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but that's the whole point of this podcast, was written and composed by a band member, Mark, and then in quotations, The Burger Pimp, Mumble C. He's got two nicknames.
0: Good God, do I hate that.
1: The Burger Pimp and Mumble C, Mark Costanzo, Constanzo, and Greg Diamond.
0: That guy would be the worst, like, MMA fighter. Mark, The Burger Pimp. Mumble C. Constanzo. And then he loses to a Rear Naked Choke in 35 seconds.
1: He must be Canadian because the song earned a nomination for Best Single at the Juno Awards of 2000.
0: Yeah, that would be a Canadian thing, I believe.
1: And some band called the X-Certs, X-C-E-R-T-S, covered it in 2014, so there's that. So well, that's a mistake by the x my sunshine. I, I, I think I love that song. I remember it having a
0: pretty decent hook, but God, that guy's voice is just... Grading, but I
1: think that's why it works. Okay, maybe I don't know.
0: Anything else about the hardest thing?
1: Um, we talked about Nicholas. We talked about the reality show. I said it's such a weird time. Doctor Javago and the fact that I know. No, I'm good. Cool. 98 degrees, very forgettable.
0: 98 degrees is super forgettable. Out of my head by Fastball is the last o- song at yeah, the last official track on Now Volume Three. And on episode one, when The Way came up, I said that they were a band, I, I put them and Harvey Danger on the same plane, For I feel like if I explored the discography of this band, I'd probably like them, but I, deep down I just know I'm never going to.
1: Yeah. So Harvey Danger is, I'm, I'm not Nico, I don't know everything about everything music, so I don't know what else Harvey Danger's done, but to me they're just like, it's flagpole set and then that's it. Right, but I feel like that song is so
0: good that I bet they have other quality songs, but I, I just, I'm just i not going to...
1: I feel I like, and this might just be my brain playing weird tricks on me, but I feel like I've heard someone else talk about Harvey Danger recently, and I think, though I might be wrong, what I remember hearing is that that song is nothing like the rest of their discography.
0: I could believe that. I feel like The Way is nothing like the rest of Fastball's discography, though I don't know
1: that. Although, that maybe, I, I, I think I, I, I might be wrong, because I haven't really, i only heard Out of My Head once, now it's this morning, you know, recently, and I haven't heard way in a while. I think I like both these songs.
0: Yeah, oh, I think Out of My Head is really good. I think it's a shame that people call them one-hit wonders for The Way, when this song charted and was a hit. I think that The Way was such a big hit that this kind of got swallowed up, even though it's the better song. And it, hey, it gets in and out. It's two and a half minutes of good music, and it's done. A nice organ, you know, kind of driven rock song, and it's out. And I appreciate that.
1: It was more mellow than I remember it being, but I still yeah. also like it. Although, the video is terrible. It's so low rent, and it's just like, what a, you know, not that now is a video disc, but like if it was, like this would be such like a, like the song itself is good, but like the video is like such sort of like a, a low key way to go out.
0: And I said this on the first episode with the way it felt like they were three dudes who were really uncomfortable on camera. So it wouldn't be a shock if, if that's part of why this video is all like distorted, sepia tone tour and home video kind of thing where they didn't have to like mug for the camera.
1: This was the band that you said earlier in the podcast that they would get phased out because they couldn't sell themselves. Right? Yeah fastball so they have a new album called step into light which has not come out yet but it's apparently happening so
0: good for them i hope they've got their tiny little following nico i don't think he mentions it on the show i think he i don't know if it's a thing you'd want me to to say but nico was in a band that opened for the gin blossoms huh. like two years ago though and it was a real weird situation to see who comes out to see the gin blossoms in 2014
1: It's also depressing, I think, just to see the Gin Blossoms in 2014. Yeah, a little bit. You know, that leads to something that I
0: forgot to mention during the Nookie discussion. When I was going to college near Asbury, I was driving through Asbury one, I think it was like February or something, and the sign on the Stone Pony, this this venue, that those of you who don't live in New Jersey, this, this venue is a historic landmark, practically, because our lord and savior, Bruce Springsteen, came up through there, and it's still it's still an active venue. But I saw on the sign Limp Biscuit. And I just went, Oh my goodness, really? This was two years ago, three years ago maybe. Sure. And I said to my friend, Hey, if this show is twenty-five bucks or less, will you go with me? I have to see who sees Limp Biscuit in twenty thirteen. Tickets were like fifty-five bucks, so we didn't end up going, but fortunately, and I'll link it in the show notes. Two weeks later, Vice put out an article called, Who Goes to See Limp Bizkit in 2013? <laughs> and it was just, those of you at home, picture the person who goes to see Limp Bizkit in 2013. You are correct.
1: I saw a couple years ago at the Stone Pony, I saw a Filter. Hmm. And it was one of those shows where my friend, uh, our friend Ben, who you know Ben, um, ben wanted to see Filter and couldn't find any way to go to Filter. I said, look, I don't want to see Filter. I'm like, if you pay for my ticket, I'll go see Filter with you. And so... The old concert escort. He paid my ticket to go see Filter. I think I bought him a beer or whatever. And it was at the Stone Pony. And they stopped... <laughs> they have technical difficulties in the middle of their set. They stopped playing. And they start playing, like, you know, I know he man Nice Shot. I didn't realize that that same band did Take My Picture. And so when they started playing Take My Picture, I was like, oh, this is weird that they're covering the song. He's like, no, this is their song. I was like, wait, what? Because that's a weird band in that, like, you know, sort of – it's again crazy to see that band in 2013, 14. Their biggest hit of all time is something, like we were talking about, maybe with Harvey Danger, is something that has nothing to do with, like, the rest of their discography.
0: Yeah, I feel like there was a handful of bands around that time who got big off that one song but could never capitalize because that wasn't them. And then you've got those bands that were the Mighty Mighty Bostons and had that one ska song during those six months that ska was <laughs> okay to play on the radio and sure. just kept playing ska and had that audience even till now. So every now just kind of misses a couple of songs that were important at the time, that hit that radio market. And this segment we call Men on Emissions. The first emission, you know, we, we've talked about the Spanish invasion. We're still 17 years away, 18 years away from the great Mexican wall that Air Trump has built between Mexico and the United States. So President they could Trump? Still, yeah, so they could still get in. Uh, and Ricky Martin with in La Vida Loca is one of those songs that made it across. How did you feel about this song, revisiting it? I feel like it was kind of in that all-star category where it was everywhere for a little while. And people just kind of evolved to hate it. I didn't hate it coming back to it.
1: I didn't hate it. This was also—I think I mentioned it earlier—that this is the song that I was trying to 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 tape off the radio. Like this was just like—I don't say it was like my jam because like this is not a song that anybody could say is their jam. But like I loved this song growing up. This and Mambo Number Five. Like I love those two songs. Um, I didn't hate this song now when I watched it this morning, but at the same time. I looked at the video and I was like how did we not know he was gay? You know,
0: I was going to say something about that where I I disagree with you. See, I think he pulls it off just as well as Enrique Iglesias with the whole like I'm going to fuck this woman in this video. I think he pulls it off. I think George Michael pulled it off too in the 80s. I mean, it's I wasn't alive then. So but even, so I've always always only known George Michael as gay, but okay. So in George Michael videos, I could see how he pulled it off. In Wham! videos, I don't know how people didn't know. I guess the '80s were weird.
1: The '80s were weird. There's this, there's one moment in the "Live and Let Loca video that I didn't watch it with a real fine tooth comb because I'm really familiar with it. But there's one moment where like, so like it, cu- it cuts back and forth like he's singing on stage, she's laying down like people are, like this girl's dripping hot wax on him. But there's also like this sort of quote unquote narrative of him driving a car mm-hmm. with a girl in a passenger seat. And at one point during that quote unquote story, she kisses him on the side of the face and, like, he visibly flinches.
0: Well, yeah, that's the narrative of the song. He's driving the car and he's trying not to crash.
1: Yeah, that's the narrative of the song, but I was also thinking, like, on some level, was also like, I'm not comfortable with how they're depicting me. I mean, it
0: has to be a shitty situation for any artist or any actor who is gay to just have to be straight to have an audience. Like, that fucking has to suck for anyone. You're just, you know, straight white dudes who have a podcast. Like, we could never actually know, but right. we're aware enough to know that that has to be horrible. Well,
1: like, I wish we were in a... I wish we got to a point in society where, like, everybody could just be what they were and people were okay with it. Um, And we're in a much better place now than we were then, but, like it's just weird to like look back at like 1999 and look back at live and love you the loca and Ricky Martin as this guy, like you can't market at least then you can't market a gay pop star. So like you have to have him, you know, basically not having sex with like beautiful women, but like, you know, you know, engaging in foreplay with beautiful women. Like it's just like this uncomfortable sort of retrospective that like makes you sort of question things. Do you think they they took it personally when they found out that their like this like love of their you know child maybe childhood but like love of their like pop culture affection was gay? Like, like I don't understand. I guess it's hard to like put ourselves in their shoes. Just like it's hard to put ourselves in you know Ricky Martin's shoes.
0: I think you're always gonna have some real shit pigs who feel betrayed when someone comes out. But I I I feel like most of the fans. Most of the adult fans of these artists probably weren't upset by it? At least I hope not. Generally.
1: I would hope not too.
0: And at least I'm, it's it's good that we're past that. When we can have openly gay pop stars, like that's it's it's ridiculous that only 16 years ago we couldn't.
1: Yeah, like there's there's so much that happened between now and then. Like it's it's like it's a it's almost like an unfathomable amount of time, but also really not that much.
0: No. Well, the Spanish invasion doesn't end with Ricky Martin. It also carries over to the next song, which was Monstrous between 1999 and the end of 1998. And that is Smooth by Santana
1: E. Rob Thomas. I think I teased this earlier, but this was the album that I bought exclusively for this song. And I don't know—I honestly either didn't listen to the rest of the album or listened to the rest of the album and was like, oh, this is all just like boring guitar stuff. Like, I want Smooth. Like, I, don't, I was such a dumb kid, that I did not appreciate Carlos Santana's guitar abilities. I was just like, I want Rob Thomas singing, like, kind of cool hooks over, like, guitar. I was too young to know
0: who Santana was. Yeah, me too. I just knew him as the guy who played guitar in that Rob Thomas song. And I never really liked Matchbox 20 at all. I like Rob Thomas now that he's that. I know he's got a sense of humor about himself and he's kind of, he's done like always Sunny in Philadelphia. And he had that, uh, that interview where he said, someone asked him, I'm, I'm going to get this this quote wrong, but someone asked him how it felt that so many people hated him. <laughs> and uh, he, they, they said something like, uh, he said like, yeah, man, someone said I was really uncool and I, that I was as as shitty as Scott Stapp, and that makes me sad because I hate Scott Stapp, and it really sucks to know that I'm someone Scott Stapp, which is really funny and kind of self aware. So, I mean, I, I don't like Matchbox Twenty. I didn't like Rob Thomas's solo stuff. I think he does a great job in smooth.
1: Yeah, this this is my favorite Santana song and my favorite Rob Thomas song, and I don't think I I don't know if I really like Santana. I've only really given them a shot. I don't really like Matchbox. Wait, is Matchbox Twenty maybe three AM? Yeah, I kind of like that song though. I don't think I like it as much as this song, but I think that's kind of a cool song.
0: I don't like Push. I don't like that song. Three AM is okay. I'm not a big fan of Unwell.
1: Wait, is Push based on the novel by Sapphire?
0: (laughs) Yes, you got it. Um, this video we talked about American Woman having some ripping nips. This video, this video again, the awakening for some for some thirteen year old boys at this time had to be the smooth video. It's another video that just uh, didn't need to have the video babes, but just
1: did. Why not? I mean, you have like a great guitarist, you know, the second most famous Rob Thomas behind the guy who created Veronica Mars. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you got you got a meeting of the minds. Like, let's just throw some babes in there. A song
0: again that revisiting it when it's not everywhere all at once. Pretty good song. Yeah, I, uh, I enjoy it again. Okay. But, my girlfriend who uh, I mentioned before uh, was a big fan of of pony, has a as a weird I think she would refer to it as a guilty pleasure, but actually she just kind of loves this song. so I've, I've heard it here and there recently and I'm not gonna say I, I, I'm in love with the song, but it, it definitely holds up 16 years later as a pretty
1: good pop song. It's um yeah like I wouldn't I wouldn't go out of my way to listen to this song. It's also, what's weird, not, not weird, but, like, what's different about this song than other songs on now, at least this now, is that, like, it's not earwormy. Like, I think it's catchy, but it's not the kind of song that's going to get stuck in your head. Like, the guitar riff might, but it's not, like, all-star where you're just like, God, I need to get this out of my head. Like, this is just, like, you know, it's not going to get stuck in your head. And with that in mind, like, you're not going to have to go see this out sort of begrudgingly. I think it's that for that reason, like it's going to be the kind of song where if you hear it once every couple of years, you know, when you're recording a podcast about a song about or about, about '90s songs, and you one to listen to, you know, songs like this, like it's it's sort of like a pleasant trip down memory lane, even if you know ultimately it's sort of forgettable. I think if I
0: was ever in a small talk conversation with a stranger and they decide to start talking about the weather and went, "Ooh, boy, it's a hot one, huh?" I think I would immediately. <laughs> just to fall to seven inches from the midday sun immediately my brain would snap to it (laughs) this last song on the the other hand Everything You Want by Vertical Horizon
1: which is a song I know but a band I have never heard of I
0: hate this song so much
1: And and the video was terrible too
0: oh the video was what was even happening in the video the, uh, the lead singer looks like a shark. He's just got <laughs> he's got a real mouth on him. He's a real mouthy kind of guy. Uh, there's a line. Did you catch the line about skinned knees and skid marks? No. Yeah, that's a line. I feel like no one ever told that guy um, what skid marks were other than like things a car makes, or else he wouldn't have put it in song.
1: What's the context?
0: I don't know, but I can hear you looking it up.
1: I am looking it up. Let me take a look. I'm glad that when you, when you Google skinned knees and skid marks, it's the first hint that comes up. Sure, no one's going to use
0: skid marks in a song anymore.
1: But under skinned knees and this, this is like a new verse, or like a new sort of stanza within the song. Yeah. Under skinned knees and the skid marks, past the places where you used to learn, which again could refer to the other skid marks, <laughs> you, you howl and listen, listen and wait for the echoes of angels who won't return.
0: Yeah, there's nothing that's separating that from poop and tires. Like it's, it could be anything.
1: This is a song where the chorus I think is infinitely rememberable and yet nothing else about the song. Unless you're like listening like you were very closely to the lyrics, I could not tell you any other lyrics to the song. Like I know the chorus by heart because I've heard the song however many times. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But what I just read to you, like I don't think I've ever heard before.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, and. I mentioned on episode one that I thought the song by Tonic, which I don't even remember what that song was now because it's, I thought that song was this and I mean, this song, it's, it could be a million songs. It's completely forgettable. We have some Wikipedia news on the song. Could you read the explanation by the songwriter of what this song is about?
1: I was in love with this girl, and she was just a broken person. She kept turning to everyone except me for love and acceptance, and I wanted so much to help her. I wanted to be the one to give her everything she wanted, but I couldn't. She just couldn't accept it from me, and it was that pain that led me to creating the song. And I like, what I like better than that terrible description is that your header for, like, this section of the document is Vertical Horizon Shit Song.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just get really mad when I, it, it's, it's really that before it existed, it's, it's still that MRA kind of nice guy, like why do the girls always date the jerks and not this nice guy tips, fedora, milady, <laughs> kind of thing that is so self-centered and misogynist that I just absolutely fucking loathe in every human being that earnestly experiences that. And feels that and posts about it on the internet past like mm, age 13. Right. This this guy made a song about if only this this quote unquote broken girl would look at me naked, then everything would be better for her. Like
1: fuck you. Well what's weird is that even though this song isn't on now three, this is some one of your honorary submissions. Mm-hmm it kind of sums up, like, a theme. Like, I don't know if this whole album has a theme, because I don't know that any mixture of 18 singles from a given year is ever going to have, like, one theme aside from can't you believe how 90s these all are. But a lot, of these video- a lot of these songs, a lot of these videos, they're all, like, can't you believe, like, how dumb this girl is for not being with me? Like, there's, like, three or four songs like that, and then, like, three or four other songs that are sort of, like, adjacent to that. It's sort of like, I understand that, you know, unrequited love is always going to be something like a a topic in, you know, in, in, in drama, in literature, in whatever, in songwriting. But these are all like of like a very specific mind. Like, can't you believe how dumb this girl is for not realizing how great I am? And it really
0: spans a spectrum. You've got like the douchey rapey frat bro in Nookie. You've got what I feel like is that, like I said, 13 year old, really innocent, too young to know better kind of style in the Backstreet Boys song. But then, but this just is so much more earnest and honest about it that it feels so much grosser in every way. And then you get that, you know, the explanation from the author, and uh, it just makes me want to puke acid on his face. Because, and then there's the line there's uh, I am everything inside of you that you wish you could be mm. God that's such a shit bag line
1: but it also doesn't really make sense like it's not like everything that you like I'm he's not saying like I'm everything inside of you that you wish you could want you know what I mean like it's just like if like, it's in some weird way maybe these lyrics are saying like not only should you want me but you should also want to be me like not only.
0: Because he's I'm
1: such a nice epitome, guy. I'm not only, not only the epitome of your love, but I'm also the epitome of like what you want to be. How gross. It's just
0: that this guy wants to not only make it so this girl is in love with him and will have sex with him, but also he can mold her into this idealized image that he has. It's so gross, and I hate it so much.
1: I, I, I'm, I'm good never talking about or thinking about this song ever again. Cool, let's go to Rap Genius. <laughs>
0: okay. Graduated from Junior College. It's a website where people can take a look at song lyrics and annotate them and try to give them a description that is universal and people can agree with. But also it's a place where people can argue their terrible interpretations or very personal interpretations of the music that they listen to.
1: I'll do, let's do Britney. So, sorry, so just to, just so that's clear for me and for our listener. So you're going to read a line from the song, and I'm going to read the explanation that someone said, like, what this line is about?
0: Correct. Okay. All right, so this is Britney Spears' Sometimes. This is a lyric that goes,
1: Every time that I'm alone, I wonder why. And what's amazing, like, before I even read the explanation, what I like is that (laughs) the explanation for this is ten times longer than the line itself.
0: Well, this is is a teen girl's diary that we're going to read.
1: The explanation that somebody wrote is, she's most likely wondering why she's so shy around him. Usually shy people, or at least most of them, are the most awkward around unknown persons, but when they get to know someone, they're much more relaxed around them. If Brit's the same, and I do like, side note, I do like how, you know, colloquial, like they're on a first name, you know, a nickname basis, Brit.
0: My pal Brit told me this is what the song's about.
1: My pal Brit, so I'm just like, you know, I'm extrapolating what Brit's talking about. He's got a real shy girl
0: who's definitely not me.
1: If Brit's the same, she wonders why she's still overly shy around her crush when they know each other. It's also implied throughout the song that he's already confessed his affection for her, but she's not ready yet. Basically, and in parentheses, basically the song's theme. She wouldn't be wondering why she's so shy in general because it's most likely she's already used to it since she was born that way. Shy.
0: Yeah, that's just that's just someone um, getting real too real on Rap Genius, huh?
1: I like that this is this is. I mean, there's so much to unpack here, and I really feel like this is almost like another podcast in and of itself, just bisecting Rap Genius lyrics.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the the Radiohead forums were very contentious. This is just like someone snuck in there after a real bad day. I was like, here we go, here we go. All right, do you want to listen, uh, excuse me, do you want to read the lyrics in this one part of Blink-182's What's My Age Again?
1: Sure. So these are some, some great lyrics. She says, my friends say I should act my age. What's my age again? What's my age again?
0: Well, this is both a nod to... Forgetting how old you actually are, oh! And forgetting how any age is supposed to act, okay. Too caught up in living, Mark is completely oblivious <laughs> to his physical age. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Instead, continuing exactly what he enjoys.
1: Well, t- t- time out for a second. I like the fact that you know. Never, I mean, I've never been a huge fan of Blink One Eighty Two, and I know we have a whole another paragraph to read of this, but like, I've never been you no. Know, the fact that they're referring to Mark by first name is is per, it's perfection.
0: Yeah, especially after Brit. Right.
1: I, mean, yeah, I mean, like, but like, I can I can sort of understand the Brit thing because like she's a solo artist, but like here it's not like talking about like you know what Blink One Eighty Two as a band is referring to. It's like, oh no, the singer was singing this. This is from his point of view. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: In a deeper probe. <laughs> Mark asks, rhetorically, what his age is. The number alone does not say what he has to do. While people judge him for enjoying his childish habits, he sees no rules or guide for what he should act like. What does a 23-year-old do? Dropping that rhetorical, philosophical bomb on the end of this rap genius, what does a 23-year-old do?
1: I don't know, but I also like that this sort of pairs well, and maybe it pairs well with a lot of the Way 2 songs, but it pairs well with Damn It that we were talking about. You know, like, this is growing up, like, you know, this is about, like, this is sort of, like, the prequel to the sequel. Like, you know, are <laughs> asking, you know, what should, like, how am I supposed to act when I'm 23? And then Damn It's just like, all right, like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but, like, Damn It, I don't want to do it.
0: I think what a 23-year-old is supposed to do in 1999 is way different than uh, what a 23-year-old is supposed to do in 2016. I think in 2016, it's uh, moved back in with your parents because there's no jobs. I
1: guess. I don't know. That's it's sad, bro, oh, man. It's. Mm, bl- what, bottom line is that Blink really gets the core of like what we're asking
0: as 23 year olds. Yeah, it, it really gets to the heart. So you want to take? We got two extended ones. Do you want to take All Star or do you want to take the lyrics of Smooth?
1: I like smooth enough that I don't want to dissect the lyrics and sort of begin to hate that song. So let's go with All Star. All
0: right, so I will read the lyrics to All Star.
1: Right, that's how you want to do it. Sure. What's this top part? Is this just like an overview of the song? Just an overview. Wait, so this is just someone annotating not lyrics, but like what they think the song itself is about? This is the abstract to All Star if someone was writing like a thesis paper on all star, this is like what they're saying. The point of their paper is exactly. So this is gonna be some high quality stuff. I'm sure. Absolutely. This is peer reviewed in this song. Smash mouth, two words, schools us a little bit on how to live life. Life isn't supposed to be monotonous and organized, not the good life. At least each day is a challenge, kind of stressful, a bit or very frustrating at times. But none of these facts take away from the awesomeness of it. Smash Mouth challenges us to veer off the dull, repetitive lifestyle that society has pressured us to experience. Instead, we should break barriers, take the scenic routes, do the things that seem fun and worthwhile to us. Life shouldn't be boring. Let's listen to them. You're an all star, get your game on, and go play. Oh, is, yeah. These are written like the best Amazon reviews. <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah, kind of. It's like every song gets its own little five-star. Every line of a song gets a five-star Amazon review. Uh, Let's start with this line. Your brain gets smart, but
1: your head gets dumb. The singer implies that despite the education he and others receive, people just think they're getting smarter. I don't know how to wrap my head around that. In reality, as time goes on, they're getting more and more ignorant to the truth behind the government and media. Oh, oh. This is like some deep, like, next-level shit.
0: Yeah. Shrek, wow. two was, Shrek 2 was a false flag operation.
1: Wow. But uh, how about,
0: you'll never know if you don't go.
1: The singer is referencing that age-old proverb and mum. Proverb and mum? I don't know what that means. Age-old proverb and mum saying, you never know if you like something or not if you don't try it first. In context, you'll never know if you prefer a life Outside of media-induced conformity, for example, going to school, then university, then a full-time job and family life, if you do not try. Wait, so what they're saying is like, okay, I'm guessing the person who wrote this description also wrote the first description. Mm -hmm. Because it's also about,
0: this person just has it out for the media. Yeah, this person really thinks that this song is about how Smash Mouth is saying, open your eyes, man. Stop being a sheeple.
1: It's, because, so apparently the media, I I feel like in terms of what the media's goal is now, which is just, hey, you're young and beautiful, spend money and party, this person thinks the media is instead saying, go to school, go to college, get a job, have a family, have kids. I don't understand, like, what media is this person ingesting that they think that's the message that they're supposed to be following? It's just
0: society, man. Just do let society get you down. All right, cool, 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 cool. All right, how about this lyric? This one's for you. Hey, now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go. Play.
1: An all-star in sports... <laughs> an all-star in sports is an extremely gifted and valuable athlete. Oh, there's just no explanation. <laughs> All- this isn't this is my great, like, dramatic monologue. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> oh, but all-star games are held in the MLB and the NBA to showcase all the most talented players simultaneously, usually in an east-west division split for teams. Now, I'm glad, but I'm also sort of worried that they didn't dive into the NHL All-Star game, because then you really have dynamics about, you know, North America versus the world. They could get mm-hmm. into the whole xenophobic thing. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could go with this very in-depth, complicated lyric of, hey, now you're an All-Star game, you to go play. Well,
0: that's why they took out the NFL one, too, because now they draft that. It'd be a lot more complicated. You need a lot more footnotes than just talking about East-West
1: splits. I would love to see, like, an edit history of this and, like, see when they went from fans of voting to the draft in the NFL. Like, someone was like, oh, shit. Like, I wrote, like, in my Genius.com annotations of Smash Mouth's All-Star, I included the NFL as a reference for, like, you know, the best, the best, East versus West. And now that the NFL votes and then, like, you know, there's, like, Jerry Rice and Deion Sanders and they, they, they draft guys. Like, i got to go back and edit my annotation.
0: You can't get scooped on your rap genius edits. It's a uh, it's a
1: doggy dog world in rap genius.
0: One more lyric for All-Star. Uh, but the media men beg to differ. Wait, what?
1: Is is it it's Meteor Men? I thought it was Media Men.
0: You know, I did too. There was, I will say there was actually a back-and-forth debate, and someone linked the liner notes. And this is the correct, it's Meteor Man, like the movie uh, Meteor Man with James Earl Jones and, and some other folks. It's like that.
1: I, guess that. I guess that ties in with the next line. I also feel like this is a real missed opportunity to say mystery men, because True. they're in the
0: video. I think this was Smash Mouth getting a little too clever for, uh, for their league, as it were. Uh, but, but the meteor men beg to differ, judging by the hole in the satellite picture. The ice we skate is getting pretty thin. The water's getting warm, so you might as well swim.
1: Now, there's a lot going on in these lyrics, these four lines, so I, w- I would like to unpack for you and for our listeners what it's really about. Um, and in case you were worried, uh, or in case you were curious, our government and society are falling apart, and now that more and more people are joining the anti-government movements, Smash Mouth suggests listeners should go ahead and do that too. Did you get that? So according to, not only this commenter, but according to Smash Mouth, if you don't like Hillary or Donald Trump, just go ahead and be an all-star, because that's, you know, you don't like government, so, like, Donald, big government, like, just go be an all-star. Go play. I
0: think those those Bundy hicks who invaded the Mollier, uh, Oregon compound, I think those guys were really big fans of Smash Mouth, probably.
1: Do you think they were a fan of, <laughs> do you
0: think that they were the ones who wrote these annotations? Oh, man that's draped in a, in a don't tread on me flag they're, they're, they're mashing in annotations to Rap Genius in between posting on Infowars
1: you know what I would love really really truly love is if we could do some kind of like catfish situation where we like trace the IP address of the people who wrote these and then go find them and interview them about what they think about Smash Math,
0: or we bring the actual writer of the song and make them have a discussion
1: yeah absolutely well you want to finish
0: off with smooth
1: do I want to do you want to ruin smooth for myself I guess I guess so I'll, I'll read the lyrics and you can explain what they mean sure man it's a hot one like seven inches from the midday sun
0: the song starts off with a simple simile with Rob's subject of <laughs> desire again really, really, really personal and familiar being described as outright beautiful she brings so much heat to him that it's like he's blazing close. Mm. Know how a midday summer in the South Americans can be? She's that hot. What, do they, you think they mean South America, like Brazil, or like the South of America?
1: I have no idea. I'm guessing, based on the intelligence, the implied intelligence level of this, they're describing the southern half of America.
0: I feel like if someone tried to diagram the sentences on Rap Genius, their head would explode like in scanners.
1: So now, I now Now that you explain them, you understand those lyrics. But Chris, I was hoping you could explain to me what I hear you whisper. And the words melt everyone, but you stay so cool. Like, what does that mean? If
0: he can hear her whisper, he's really close to her, like <laughs> seven inches from her. This recalls the previous line about the midnight, about the midday sun, and draws further parallels between the sun's hotness and hers. Mm. woman's words are so emotionally charged and powerful that it's like the rest of the world doesn't exist anymore. This is not just a continuation of the metaphor of hotness already at play in the song, mm. but an expansion of it now encompassing the popular metaphor of things melting away.
1: I've got two questions for you. Number one, is melting away a popular metaphor? Sure. Number two, do you think the seven inches is Rob Thomas's dick? Oh, damn, son.
0: You should annotate that into I don't understand
1: anything about this annotation. (laughs) That's kind of the point. I mean, it it doesn't... The whole point of this basically, remember what I wrote above? Just like, look at that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it it lets you know that whispers are better heard when really close to
1: a person. Which is good to know, because that's not something I thought of. Okay, now I
0: get that, but what does I Could Change My Life to Better Suit Your Mood mean? Rob Thomas, the writer of the song, is expressing that he is willing to change fundamental things about his life to be with the smooth female idol that drives the song. The use of could instead of will indicates that he is only willing to change his life if his female idol is just as willing to accept him. Otherwise, he'll probably remain the same.
1: Now, with this explanation, it's overwritten to the point where I want to, like, kill myself. But <laughs> I also think that is like, actually, like, a fair point. Like this is sort of, like, of all the things that we've read so far, I think this is the best analysis of any of the lyrics we've talked about.
0: Kind of focusing on that could instead of the will and, like, the, the author's choice of words there? Yeah, I,
1: I, I sort of honestly genuinely like
0: that. We're not here to judge rap genius. I mean, it can be good. It can be bad.
1: Now, can you explain to me, like, you have to qualify as a Mensa-level genius to get an account on rapgenius.com, right?
0: Uh, you have to qualify as a Reddit-level genius.
1: Oh, okay, Reddit, I forgot. I, I, I said I, Mensa, but I meant Reddit, right? You're right, okay. And it's just like the ocean, under the moon, it's the same as the emotion that I get from you.
0: Their love is like this common but gorgeous natural phenomenon.
1: Well, is- I'm going to stop, stop you there. immediately. We're not talking about the same guy who wrote the previous annotation. We're back to the first the first two. It's <laughs> just the same writer.
0: <laughs> in the same way that the moon's gravitational pull affects the tides of the ocean, she, the titular smooth woman, draws Rob closer. Note the sun's effects on tides as well, continuing the sun metaphor from the beginning of the song. You know, so, tide goes in, tide goes out. You can't explain that.
1: Two things about this. Number one, I love the word titular. Sure. Um, I don't think I ever would use the word titular to describe the song "Smooth." No, because you—I don't think you can use
0: titular to describe like an adjective. I no. think it has to describe like a person or like a name in the title of the song. Like if the song was called "Smooth Woman," you could you could talk about the titular the titular woman,
1: which is—I don't think you can just. Mm, doesn't work well, because because they're not saying she's smooth. She's just got that kind of love and that can feel so smooth, right? Or be so smooth, like he her does love- say
0: Because you're so smooth, a
1: couple. Well, he, he does say that. You feel the turning of the world so soft and so slow.
0: Perhaps <laughs> the culmination of the entire song, but at the very least, the culmination of the many intertwined metaphors contained within this work.
1: Okay.
0: Here, the metaphors of the smooth woman as the sun and the moon of Rob, the planet Earth, affected by his attraction to her like a gravitational pull, come together and immediately draw to mind the Earth religion and nature worship of ancient Native Americans whose culture, beliefs, and yes, smooth musical traditions still influence Latin American culture to this day.
1: This, to me, feels like a third writer. Like, we have the one that makes the actual, like, literary argument about could versus will. We have a crazy person who does the other three. I feel like this could be that person, but I feel like it's not. I feel like this is someone who read those and then had their own opinion of what it was.
0: This guy brings in, like, Native American culture, like he's an East meets West in a New Jersey mall.
1: This guy is almost the most interesting of all three, because he's like oh, some. Sure he's like some weird middle ground that like doesn't make sense in any regard.
0: He brings in nature worship and uh, the earth religion.
1: Nothing about this last annotation makes sense, which I think is why it's terrific that we ended here because I didn't think I could appreciate smooth on a deeper level than I already did. And it's, I I love it now. Well, now that
0: rap genius has broken our brains, we're going to do some recommending something from around summer of 1999 that maybe we didn't know at the time, but maybe later down the line, we learned that something from that time was really good and we just missed it. Or maybe we liked it at the time. Who knows? It's a free form podcast. Joey, do you have something to recommend to the
1: audience? I do. I actually have two things. I don't know if that's breaking the rules of what you have set up in these first two now as in four episodes. Am I allowed to recommend two things or can I only do one?
0: Uh, this is a, uh, podcasting anarchy so
1: there's no rules all right cool so number one well i'm gonna start with number two first because there's no rules um for some reason i don't know why i think just putting myself back in the era of 1999 i think i mentioned at the very top of the show we started recording five hours ago that i think i played a lot of n64 and i was thinking back to the n64 games that i was playing and a lot of the ones that i spent a lot of time with are really obvious ones But one game that kind of flew maybe a little under the radar that I just genuinely loved and I want to replay a lot but also never actually do is Pokemon Snap. I don't think you ever played Pokemon Snap. But it's a game that is a lot of fun. You, You basically are just like rolling down a river or like rolling down a beach and just taking pictures of Pokemon. And so I think N64 games are absurdly expensive now because they're a cartridge... And they're just difficult to find. But if you ever come across that, I would say it's an underrated gem from around this time for what's arguably the greatest console in history. And so check it out. Yeah,
0: I, I'm going to actually stump for that too. It's, a, it's almost like a, a kid's rail-based first-person shooter, except instead of shooting stuff, you're throwing Pokeballs and taking pictures. It's, it's got like this weird puzzle mechanic too, where you have to set up certain things.
1: It's a fun game. Uh, I'm totally with you on that. What's uh, what's your number one? My number one is the book Invisible Monsters by Chuck Palahniuk, and everybody knows that he wrote Fight Club, and that came out in '96. And I think probably around this time the movie came out. I'm not actually sure when the movie 2000 came out. or 2001 99 yeah, 2000. Not 99. So okay. yeah, right around this time. So that you know, that's really the only successful Palahniuk adaptation that's been mm-hmm. on the big screen. I mean. Choke came out, and Choke was okay, and there's been some other ones that have sort of been stuck in production, but Fight Club was this, you know, cultural phenomenon. But before I knew about Fight Club, I saw a friend on the school bus, and I'm surprised that, you know, for how much we talked tonight about this era and about these songs, I never mentioned riding on the school bus, and I feel like that was sort of an essential part of my music education kind of in that it was the time that I most listened to music at this time, you know, riding to and from school. And so it makes sense to me that I found this book that I'm recommending invisible monsters on a school bus. I saw a friend reading it and it had this crazy cover where there was sort of like a beauty queen. And instead of like a mouth, there was just like a splash of paint. And it was, you know, the author's name and the title of the book. And I was so intrigued. I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but I was like, what is that book? And so I borrowed the book from her after she was done, and I read it. And it instantly became my favorite book of all time. And I don't know if now it holds up, because a lot of Chuck's stuff, you know, I'm calling him Chuck, like the genius annotators call her Brit. A lot of Chuck's stuff skews sort of, you know, adolescent teen or you know or young man as opposed to grown adult with actual morals and values um so i'm not sure if it necessarily would be my favorite book still but it's up there and it's just like this weird dark twisted look into a world in a way that i hadn't read books like that before where i was just like oh like this is like something like this is like it it changed the way that i like sort of viewed literature and so i don't know if you've read it or not but I would say check it out and like, let me know if, as like, a 30-year-old dude, if it still works for you. Awesome. What's your recommendation? Do you have one? Yeah, I'm going to recommend uh, some music that came out around this time. I mentioned
0: during the Blink-182 segment that that kind of led me more into punk rock, away from like pop punk into, into more, I guess, sophomore year me would call it real punk. <laughs> I was listening to a lot of No Effects at the time. And they put out an album around this time, not so much an album, but more like a single song EP. I mean, if we thought eight minutes of R. Kelly was long, this is 17 mm. a 17 minute punk song. It's 17 minute punk masterpiece uh, movement uh, called The Decline that is insane for its breath, that you, I mean, for a punk band, for no effects, I mean, even um, just their composition, and the lyricism and the production—it's insanely ambitious for, I mean, the band that sang Linoleum—and it's pretty mind-blowing. A lot of the lyrics, sadly, really resonate in 2016 still. And I, I think it's a masterpiece of punk rock. So, and No Effects is the decline is my recommendation. Uh, Joey, it's been—it's been a long recording. Thank you for joining me. Well,
1: thank um, you for having me.
0: If people. Really in-depth readings about Planet Earth and nature worship in regards to keanu Reeves or Nicholas Cage movies. Where would they find
1: that? They can go to cageclub.me or they can go to facebook.com/cageclub. Either of those two places are going to find all of the stuff that we've done about those two podcasts. You can also follow me on Twitter at soulpop. S-O-U-L-P-O-P-P-E-B.
0: Uh, to keep up with the Now and Again cast, you can head over to the Cage Club Podcasting Network on Facebook, as Joey just mentioned. You can follow us on Twitter at Now Again Podcast. Uh, if you have any stories, memories, or opinions about any of the songs we've covered on the show, write into the mailbag at Now and Again at gmail.com. I'm Chris Mattiello.
1: And I'm Joey Lewandowski.
0: And we will catch you on the flip side.